Good morning, everyone. Let us start our worship with number 448, Higher Ground. Arise and fears dismay, though some may dwell where these abound. My prayer, my aim is higher ground. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table. Now we will have our call to worship. Good morning. Good morning. <clears throat> call to worship this morning is Psalm 119, verses 73 through 80. Thy hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn thy commandments. They that fear thee will be glad when they see me because I have hoped in thy word. I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. Let, I pray thee, thy merciful kindness be for my comfort, according to thy word unto thy servant. Let thy tender mercies come unto me, that I may live, for thy law is my delight. Let the proud be ashamed, 
for they dealt perversely with me without a cause, but I will meditate in thy precepts. Let those that fear thee turn unto me, and those that have known thy testimonies. Let my heart be sound in thy statutes, that I be not ashamed. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, our theme this morning is wisdom. And uh, many uh, study Bibles and commentaries I have on Psalms call that long psalm a psalm of wisdom. Let's continue to worship the Lord, singing number 400, Be Thou My Vision. God, we are gathered here this morning to worship you. We ask, please, that you would just remove all distractions from us. Help us to open our hearts fully to you. 
You are worthy of all of our praise. We need you. So please help us to to focus on you. Please do a work in us. Draw us still closer to you so that when we leave here, we are so aware of you that we will just live with wisdom, live the way that you desire for us to live. We ask this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen. And now, uh, if you would take uh, your bulletin inserts, we will pray together our uh, corporate or community prayer of confession. You have asked for our hands that you might use them for your purpose. We gave them for a moment, then withdrew them, for the work was hard. You ask for our mouths to speak out against injustice. We gave you only a whisper that we might not be accused. You ask for our eyes to see the pain of poverty. We close them, for we did not want to see. You asked us for our lives that you might work through us. We gave a small heart that we might not get too involved. Lord, forgive all our calculated efforts to serve you only when it is convenient to do so, only in those places where it is safe to do so, and only with those who make it easy for us to do so. Father, forgive us, renew us, and send us out as usable instruments that we might take seriously the meaning of your cross. Amen. And as it says in the bottom here, this is from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, in this century, 2004. And I think maybe the most condemning one for me personally is sometimes we get in a groove and, and it's easy to minister to certain people and we think that's all that God wants us to do. But I think he's always taking us a little bit out of our comfort zones. But even as real as that is and as much as we're subject to all of these ways of falling short, remember what John wrote to the Christians at the end of the first century. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just. He will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And, and that's God. You know, We can sincerely ask him for something and he'll give us even more than what we ask for if we just set our hearts on him. So let's um, sing two more songs uh, of worship. Sing them to the Lord, number 413, Living for Jesus, and number 264, the gospel song, Nothing But the Blood of Jesus.
What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Reading of God's Word for this morning. Scripture this morning is from Proverbs. This is Proverbs chapter 1, 1 through 7. The Proverbs of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel. To know wisdom and instruction, to perceive the words of understanding, to receive the instruction of wisdom, judgment, and judgment and equity, to give subtlety to the simple, to the young man, knowledge and discretion. A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. To understand a proverb and the interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. The fear of the Lord is a beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. This is Proverbs 3, 1 through 8. My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee, Bind them about thy neck. Write them unto the table of thine heart. 
so shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. Amen. While we're all turning to number 626 to recite the Nicene Creed, it occurred to me that only once before now in my 21 or so years have I ever preached from the wisdom books. It was somewhere around 2005, and I tried to do a survey of Ecclesiastes, kind of unwise on my part. The only thing I remember is the title was, Before We Can Call Him Father, We Must Say Uncle. But looking at the eyes of the assembled people, I saw it was all like going over their head. I was having trouble articulating it. Hopefully with these shorter passages that are easier to digest, uh, we'll all get something out of it this morning. Well, let us recite together the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven. By the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son. With the Father and the Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Which is Hebrew for it is true. And now uh, let us go to God in prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. (sighs) Father, We praise you for your son, the Savior, 
in whom is all wisdom. And as James encourages all who have faith in him and are facing difficulties, we humbly ask you to give us of his wisdom in this hour of worship because we all need your wisdom. Our understanding is limited and we confess that to you right now. Please, build your character into us. Only you are righteous in everything. And please, let everything we experience in our lives increase our knowledge of you. Salah, we wait on thee. And we pray first for all our brothers and sisters in Christ, starting with those living where their lives are in danger every day. We think of those in China, North Korea, and especially northern and even central Africa. And we pray for those living in material poverty with humility and respect for the great faith you have given to them. And we ask that you may give us such faith as well. And even if it may mean that we will also become more materially impoverished. And please make us rich in what matters the most, knowledge of you, and more and more of the righteousness of the Savior in us. And we pray for our nation, in which so many people are ignorant of you, and they're deceived by the great lie, calling good evil and evil good. Please help us, especially me, not to hate them, but to realize that we too stand in continual need of your grace. And we do not know our own blind spots unless a faithful friend would reveal them to us in love. And we pray for people in every walk of life in our nation, state, in our hometowns. Please give them grace to wake up. And please give them eyes to see truth, ears to hear you first, and hearts open to you and your way. We pray for our church family. First of all, for the families of Norma, Nancy, and Joe. Continue to comfort them and us as we miss them. We know that your gain is our loss. Please be with Christine in a powerful way. We believe you can do what doctors cannot. And in all of this, help her to know you, know you by experience and your loving presence with her always, no matter what happens. And please be with all who are getting COVID. Uh, It hasn't gone away. And even fully vaccinated people can be laid low for a while. But thank you for being with those in our church family who have come through it. And please be with Debbie this morning as once again she has the privilege and honor of leading residents where she works in biblical worship. In fact, it was even suggested by her boss, and we thank you for that. 
and please meet all the needs of all of the people within uh, our church family. And we, uh, we pray for Belle as well. And Father, please guide me as I explain, interpret, and apply your word of wisdom from Proverbs this morning. And now we come to you with one heart and one voice in the words of the prayer Jesus taught us. Praying, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now, uh, before we go to the Lord in prayer, we're going to sing number 469, um, Trust and Obey. And I once heard John DeBrine say that sometimes, you know, pastors say, oh, we got to cut a few verses out because... Time is getting away from us. And once uh, a pastor wanted to cut out the middle verse of that song. Well, he didn't know the songwriter was in the back pew. And the songwriter stood up and said, you will not cut that verse out. I wrote the whole song to support that middle verse. So pay attention when we're singing verse 3, number 469.
sums up the whole Christian life. Well, today, this morning, is the first of three Sundays we will examine portions of the wisdom books of Scripture. We will take two weeks today and next week in the book of Proverbs, which is the elementary school of wisdom. And then on the third week, the end of this month, um, we will dig into a portion of Ecclesiastes, which is college-level wisdom. And just in case you were wondering, the secondary school of wisdom is Song of Songs and many of the Psalms, which are called Wisdom Psalms, and I've listed some of them for you. And of course, the graduate school of wisdom is the Book of Yov. And for those of you that are here in person this morning, if you want to know what his name means, ask me after the benediction. I remember I looked it up for the first time this year, and I was shocked. I said, why would any parents ever give that name to their son? But as we think about it, as I thought about it, I said, this name really reflects how people often consider God's people, especially his more faithful people. I'll leave it at that for now. And if you're at home, you can look it up yourselves. But the short definition of wisdom is this. It is the application of God's word to our everyday lives, 24-7 as we live. In fact, somewhere in his word, God has given us the specific word or words that we need to act rightly, to act with wisdom in whatever circumstances we may be happening to find ourselves at that moment. Now, specifically, when the book was written and compiled and when it became scripture, even before God sent his son to be born in Bethlehem to bring salvation to all who humble themselves before him, the words of the last book of the Torah, Deuteronomy, which is really everything we need to know about God. It even talks about Messiah who is coming. These were applied through the book of Proverbs. There's a tremendous correlation between Proverbs and Deuteronomy. Now, some two-thirds of the book of Proverbs is what we consider a proverb. It's a collection of short two-line sayings about pretty much every aspect of life, life on this earth. But this morning, we are going to look at two portions of the nine-chapter introduction to Proverbs. And if you've ever read through the Bible, you find it's very, very different. What we have in these nine chapters are long poetic paragraphs, Um, and um, they talk about um, both wisdom and folly, namely the rewards for living wisely 
and the dangers of foolish living. Well, this morning in our two chapters, portions of the chapters, first we'll consider the 13 poetic line introduction to the entire book. So if we get that, we can get much of the book of Proverbs. And this portion gives the twofold purpose of the book. There's two reasons for this book. One is that it may build God's character in us, the kind of righteous character, the character of God. And second is that um, we will be able to gain experiential knowledge, not just in the head, but in our experience of day-to-day living of the true God through the fear, the reverential fear of God's awesomeness. Wisdom comes from the fear of Yahweh. And then we'll look at a bit of chapter three, and we will see a clear contrast between wisdom and folly. The wise are rewarded for their obedience, whereas the foolish are in danger of great punishment for their pride. So let us now look at the purpose of Proverbs from these introductory seven verses or 13 lines. The first half talks about what I already said in the introduction, to build righteous character. So I'm going to go through this uh, word for word, my, my own translation, because one of the powerful things about Proverbs is God used so few words to say so much. So I'll read the words and then I'll try to unpack them for us. So the opening statement tells us the what and the who. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now, you may already know this, and uh, it's in many study Bibles. Proverbs is an edited compilation of many of the thousand proverbs that Solomon was given in his lifetime. And then towards the end, it said many of these were copied out by Hezekiah's men. So it didn't become scripture until a few hundred years after it was written. Now, continuing with the text, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise behavior. And again, let me say it, because I learned this about 20 years ago and it stuck with me. Wisdom is the correct application. And at that time, it was God's Torah, the Torah of instruction. In fact, Torah means instruction in God's ways in all phases of the lives of God's covenant people. At the time this was written, it was Israel and any who would convert to worshiping Israel's God. Now it's for everybody. Now there's this word instruction. And in this very first set of lines, we have two of the three times this word is used in the introduction. So I I got out a good Bible dictionary And it says, it's instruction in God's wisdom, often involving chastisement. Now, that's not a word a lot of us would like to hear. 
especially I think some of us boomers were not disciplined as much as we should have been. But instruction does involve discipline and chastisement when we mess up. And then wise behavior is the ability to see by careful consideration of all of our circumstances, including the possible consequences. Now, that's kind of my interpretation of what the Bible dictionary said, because it used the big word that I don't use very often. The word is circumspect. But if you notice, all of these words have sir in it, like circle. So really, it's the understanding of the circle of life and uh, applying it. So that's wise behavior. And then continuing with wise behavior but not repeating it, we get to the heart of the matter. Righteousness, justice, and equity. To give prudence, which is the translation I preferred, subtlety is in the King James, to the simple. So here we have this first purpose, to build right character, which includes righteousness, justice, and the uprightness of a straight arrow. I love that word, a straight arrow. Straightness, that is God's character into those who are simple. And synonyms would be youthful, naive, childish. This is one of the two purposes of Proverbs. Now, um, again, I chose the word prudence. And paradoxically, okay, prudence, it wasn't what I thought it is. In, in the Hebrew language, it includes, I mean, it is right behavior and, and knowing right from wrong, but it includes both shrewdness and craftiness. And immediately I thought of the words of Jesus when he sent his followers out the first time on their first mission. And he says, I'm sending you out as lambs among wolves. Thou must be as shrewd as serpents. Okay. And then uh, that's the first half of the purpose. The second half continues on to gain experiential knowledge of Israel's covenant God. So picking up at the end of verse four, Solomon continues his inspired writing to give to the young knowledge and discretion. Discretion of what? God's purpose for their lives. So the correct experiential knowledge of God is the primary purpose of life for every human being created in God's image. And I think of Jesus' high priestly prayer as recorded by John when he said, and this is life to know you and the one whom you have sent. And this knowledge is also the most important purpose of Proverbs. And I don't know about you, but my mom once told me, don't be ashamed to make mistakes because we learn more by our mistakes. So negatively, we learn from the negative consequences of the times we do not act according to God's wisdom. But we shall soon see 
in the second chapter, we consider also the times we do act wisely. And when we do that, we receive his appropriate reward. And then he goes on, the wise man will hear and will increase in learning. And the man of understanding will acquire counsel in order to understand a proverb and its interpretation, the words of the wise and their dark sayings. And I want to say a word about here. Okay, because we think it just involves, you know, not needing a hearing aid or being able to understand the syllables people are saying. But biblically, in God's word, hearing always results first in full understanding of what he said, and secondly, in the obedience of faith. Now hear this. It means do this. And we need to consider Abraham when he received the word from the covenant God, Yahweh, concerning his son, Isaac. Read that chapter sometime, Genesis 22. Now, counsel, and this is what we need. We can't make it on our own. God just doesn't give any of us enough to make it on our own. Counsel is good guidance and direction from godly and wise friends as to how to act in any and every situation. And then... Um, what is being interpreted? It talks about the interpretation of a proverb. Well, I've labeled it a satiric enigma. Again, looking at it deeply in a Bible dictionary, it is mocking and satirical poetry, which is also a taunt disguised as an enigma. Try to unpack that one. You know, take your outlines home and and think about that. Now, when I thought about this, one of the Proverbs collected by Hezekiah's men, and it's in chapter 27, speaks of the faithful wounds of a friend. It takes a good friend to cut us down to size when we need it. And that's what I believe this is talking about. And then life can be difficult and dark. And a dark saying is a difficult to understand word from God. Anyone who thinks that you can read scripture like a novel and get everything that's in it one time through, um, I need to tell you that's not how it works, okay? These dark sayings are often paradoxical, and they may be expressed in a parable. And I think when I was following along in the NIV, they made a good translation, because a good synonym is, it's a riddle. And you can't always get a riddle right off the bat. And then as we're coming to the, um, the end of this introduction, it says, the fear of Yahweh is the beginning of knowledge. Now, that kind of startled me because we all know wisdom is often used. So we have reached the climax of this powerful poetry of the brief introduction to the whole book, 31 chapters of Proverbs. And a highlight is the poetic device inspired into Solomon of various and numerous synonyms used for wisdom. So I wrote them all out for myself. Instruction, insight, 
Righteousness, justice, equity, prudence, knowledge, discretion, learning, understanding, counsel, interpretation, and riddle. There is a baker's dozen for you of what wisdom involves. And that's how poetry works with all of these synonyms. There's also repetition. This word understanding that I started with is you, I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. Understanding in and of itself is used three times. But instruction, remember I said there's some paradox in that meaning of the word. It has multiple meanings. It will be used a third time in the following line of contrast with a somewhat different meaning because of its context. Okay? It is the wisdom of the covenant God to use words with multiple meanings because this stretches his people out of the simplicity that people prefer. Keep it simple, please. Don't complicate things for me. But we are living in a complex reality he created to those who would complain to him about what they call ambiguity, I believe Yahweh would answer with the love of the perfect father, which we considered when we were considering Jesus' prayer. He's the perfect father, and he would say, allow me to help you to grow in wisdom through the knowledge you gain by trial and error experience. And as you gain a greater reverential fear of me, you will become wise. Job 28, Psalm 111. Wisdom comes from the fear of Yahweh. And then the introduction concludes with this stark and jarring contrast. And fools despise instruction. So here we have the beginning of the conflict between wisdom and folly, which goes all the way back to Eden, Genesis 3. Fools despise the idea of gaining the wisdom of God. They would rather just do it their own way. But when wise people examine themselves, they know they have a need for God and his wisdom. Word of warning, any self-assessment resulting in self-satisfaction is foolishness. God is saying avoid, avoid foolish self-assessments. Be honest, be wise. Secondly, as we come to chapter three, it talks about the blessings of obedience and the danger of pride. The first half of our portion of chapter 3 says love and truth, God's love and truth, produce in people favor or grace with God and men. So let's take the words Solomon was inspired, and here's an important beginning in the first verse. My son, my teaching thou will not forget, In my commandments, thy heart will keep because long days and years of life and peace, they will cause to be added to thee. There's a lot there, but notice, first of all, relationship. Remember when I said how much Proverbs 
give us application of Deuteronomy. A father teaching his son about God's Torah wisdom. I've given you six portions in the book of Deuteronomy that speak to that. Now, it's the law or the instruction. The father's teaching of Torah, which I already explained, is God's instruction in godly living. In all of the commands and statutes that the covenant God gave to Moses on Mount Sinai in order to worship him properly. And I've given you 11 chapters of Exodus. That's where the Orthodox Jews, the rabbis, got those 600-plus commandments that they sort of memorize. Okay? Now, the two uh, rewards that will be added to all who keep guard and preserve the Torah are this. In short, a long life, literally long days and years of life. And secondly, peace. And remember, shalom is a rich word. It means complete welfare, health, prosperity, and contentment, and a few other things, but that's the highlights. And then continuing, he says, truth and love thou will not let leave thee. Thou must bind them about thy neck, and thou must write them on the tablet of thy heart, and thou must find grace and good understanding in the eyes of God and man. Now, I wanted to bring this out, the commandment to find favor. I looked at the 13 translations in my Bible software, and only Young's literal translation of the Bible correctly understands that Solomon is giving a command to his son to find grace before God and all humanity. Now, I have a lot of respect for the King James, and as Ali was reading it, I could pick up that there was a command there, but only because I knew it. Now, when it comes to love and truth, Solomon is using Ten Commandment wording to tell his son not to let the truth and love of the covenant God leave him. Thou will not let these leave thee. Remember, thou will not commit adultery. Thou will not steal. Thou will not do this. A strong prohibition and command. Okay. Now, It's interesting that he does not follow this strong command with a promise. Instead, he gives his son another command in ordinary command language to find grace, to find God's grace or favor. And I already covered the why of that. And then finally, the last portion of our look at Proverbs this morning is this command to turn away from pride and evil through faith and the fear of Yahweh. So Solomon continues, thou must trust in Yahweh with all of the heart of thee. And upon thy understanding, thou must not be leaning. In, the all, in all the ways of thee, thou must be knowing him. And here's the payoff. And he, he will make straight 
and upright the paths of thee. Now, some of us have memorized those two verses, and I heard a song way back when Debbie and I first got married that just took that and put music to it from the King James. So in this continuing battle of wisdom and folly, good and evil, Solomon now gives his son three commands with a promise. The first two commandments his son must obey. To stay on the winning side of this battle are these. Positively, to trust, to fully trust the covenant God, Yahweh. And negatively, to not lean upon his own understanding of life, God, in his ways. And this leads to the final command to experientially know Yahweh. So it's coming back to this in the third chapter, as in the first chapter. At all times and in all the ways God is leading him in his life. And here is the promise for obeying the three commands of his father. It is that Yahweh himself will make the young man's paths in life to be straight not twisted, so that his character will become upright, having the righteousness of wisdom that was promised and is given as a purpose in the introduction to the book. And then Solomon goes on, thou must not be wise in thy eyes. Thou must fear Yahweh and turn aside from evil. Again, we have the conflict and a hint of folly. Pride and evil doing. Pride is the folly of the son, or really any of us, thinking of himself or to himself, he is the source of wisdom. We must never think of ourselves as the source of anything good. That is God. So Solomon strongly forbids this for his son. And given what his son did when he finally became king, it seems that Solomon saw the roots of his future evil acts in his son Rehoboam at this time. Now again, what an ironic name. I looked it up and it says, a people he enlarged. And how ironic is that? When you think about when he became king and what he did, and I'll enumerate some of this, 83% of God's people broke away from him. They were nowhere near enlarged. You see, when he became king, he was harsh in his treatment of God's people, the people that were entrusted to him. He allowed all kinds of idolatry, and finally and worst of all, he secured peace with Egypt by ransacking the temple. He cleaned out all of the golden articles of worship. He did not have a right opinion of himself again. Proverbs and other wisdom literature helps us to avoid a foolish self-assessment. And again, we come back to the fear of Yahweh. It's everything. And you see Solomon's son Rehoboam became lacking 
in all reverential fear in worship of the covenant God Israel. Now, next week, we will look at the woman wisdom in the last two chapters. At the end of this long narrative poetry introduction, the woman wisdom calls out to all people on earth. Again, God didn't just choose Israel. It's a two-chapter speech about how she, wisdom, was the first creation of God. And wisdom has always been with God, and she calls on people to find life in her and grace with Yahweh. And she continues, because all who fail to find her will be harmed, and those hating her love death. And her speech climaxes with the beginning of wisdom is fear of Yahweh. Knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Wisdom comes from the fear of Yahweh. And then one last promise. Healing it will be. What will be? Wisdom will be to thy navel. And I think what's being said here poetically and metaphorically is the core of our body is like the essence of who we are. It just came to me. My basketball coach always said, don't let somebody fake you out with his arms, his legs, his head, his jiving movements. Nobody's going anywhere without his belly button. So focus on his stomach because where the stomach is, that's where he is. So it will be healing to our stomach and refreshment to our bones, from our skull to our feet. Those who are wise through the fear of Yahweh are promised healing and refreshing. So let's wrap this up. Proverbs, build righteous character in those who are wise. And they guide the wise into experiential knowledge of the covenant God. And furthermore, obedience to God through wisdom results in rewards of favor or grace. But pride leads to great loss. So fear the covenant God in faith. Wisdom comes from the fear of Yahweh. Let us always be aware of his awesomeness and worship that. So let's conclude our worship this morning. Great is thy faithfulness. It all starts with God in Jesus. Number 17. i
Good word, benediction. What the Apostle Paul had to say about wisdom as he closed up the theological portion of Romans and got ready for the application in chapter 12. And some of this comes from the book of Yov. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who became his counselor? Or who has first given to him that it might be paid back to him again? For from him, through him, and to him are all things. To him be the glory forever. Amen. Meaning it is true. And let us sing for our final song, a short song, number 106, The Greatest Thing About Knowing, Loving, and Serving God, 106.
made a sin. It all.